Hello, my friends, and welcome back to yet another episode of Strange Origins. This week, I felt the need to take a self-taught course on the topic of astral projection. Like a lot of you guys, I remember hearing the term astral projection long before I had ever started researching topics like it for the podcast. But all those years ago, it simply just sounded like something that only someone skilled like a psychic could do. It reminded me more of stories of superpowers, like reading other people's thoughts or being able to set things on fire just by looking at them. And then I watched the Netflix show Behind Her Eyes, and a lot of misconceptions about astral projection were challenged in my mind. While I know that books and television shows usually glamorize and embellish things, it was still a pretty interesting perspective on what could be done if you had the power to astral project. That show came out in early 2021, and it was only six months later that I began to listen to ASMR to fall asleep at night. Something else I began to notice was that alongside the suggestions for soap cutting and nail tapping videos, there were also recommendations for guides on how to astral project, or as it's sometimes referred to, spirit walk. As soon as I began to see these how-to guides, I realized that there are literally hundreds of different theories on the perfect way to go about astral projecting. And each one is just slightly different than the other. Slowly, I also started to realize that it wasn't just some rare ability you were born with. Astral projection is more thought to be self-taught and aimed at helping you in a spiritual quest or something of the sort. Essentially, it's a person's ability to separate their consciousness, or in some people's opinion, their soul, from their physical or corporeal form in order to travel to other places. If you've ever seen Doctor Strange, it might help to imagine Stephen Strange separating himself from his physical body in order to go into the astral dimension and study at night. While I really wish I had had that ability in college, the reality of astral projection is a lot different. According to those who have experienced it, Most of the time, you only see yourself from a few feet away, usually floating above your bed. Very few definitions describe it as being an intentional experience where one can just function separately from their physical bodies. In other definitions, it can also occur following an accident where you're brought back from the dead and you can remember yourself as being separated from the physical world. So, where did astral projection have its start? To begin with, the term astral projection, though attention-grabbing, is pretty outdated, as it was first called that in the 1800s. Today, in the scientific community, it's referred to as an out-of-body experience, or OBE, or occasionally a near-death experience, NDE, as it can also be associated with experiences where a person was close to dying or died for a short amount of time, and then brought back to life. But even before the 1800s and esotericism, which is something I promise I will explain later on in this episode, 
References to what is believed to be astral projection can actually be found in ancient records. One of the earliest records of an experience thought to be astral projection was jotted down by the Greek Pliny the Elder, who I have mentioned in a few of my previous episodes. In his book The Natural History, which is notably the largest single work to have survived from the Roman Empire and the model for modern encyclopedias, he mentions a man by the name of Hermodenus of Clizomene. In the story, it's said that the man was quoted as being in the habit of leaving his body and wandering into distant countries, whence it brought back numerous accounts of various things, which could not have been obtained by anyone but a person who was present. The body, in the meantime, was left apparently lifeless. At the end of the story, it's said that an enemy of the man burned his body while his soul was traveling so that, quote, the soul on its return was deprived of a sheath, as it were. It's been said that the concept of the astral plane has been explored in different religious texts, including the Quran and the Hindi scriptures. The Egyptians believed that their soul was divided into nine different parts. While one part of that soul was your physical body, the other eight were allowed to be transported to the afterlife. A part of their soul that was often called their personality, or their ba, was able to travel between the physical and spiritual realm while the person was still alive, which is what is believed to be the part of them that could astral project. A symbol of the ba can be found in hieroglyphics, where there is a bird with a human head. It's also believed that that particular part of the soul, following a person's death, would travel to the places that they most loved going to when they were alive, creating a link between the spiritual and physical worlds, much like a ghost. These were all concepts put forth in the infamous Book of the Dead, which you might recognize as being featured in the Mummy trilogy. In the mythology of the Japanese, there's the concept of the Akairyo, which is the soul of a living person that has been separated from their body and which haunts other people or places. If someone holds a hatred for another person, their soul can temporarily leave them and curse or harm their intended target. It's also said that if someone is extremely sick or in a comatose state, that their souls can leave their body. Though in that case of astral projection, they wouldn't really be of any harm to anyone else. One of the more famous mentions of astral projection in history is that of the Benindanti. While I barely touched on it in my first episode where I discuss fairies, the story of the Benindanti is something that I've thought about pretty frequently since I first read about it about two years ago. It's just one of those stories that makes you wonder why it wasn't taught about alongside things like the Salem Witch Trials or the Crusades in history class. According to the records, the Benindanti, which means good walkers, were a group of people in northeastern Italy in the 16th and 17th centuries who claimed to be able to travel outside of their bodies while they were asleep. According to them, they used this superpower to fight dark forces, referred to as the Malindanti, who wished to destroy their crops for the future season and cause a famine. Much like the several witch, fairy, and werewolf trials I've mentioned on this podcast, 
The Benedanti faced persecution in the Roman Inquisition between 1575 and 1675. In the trials, they were accused of being heretics and of practicing the witch's Sabbath. This was despite the fact that no part of the Benedanti story contained any worshipping of a satanic figure, no mention of renunciation of Christianity or any other action which would be associated with the ritual of Christian witchcraft. If anything, they were believed to be good witches, in a pagan or mythical sense of the term. Pretty much they were completely separate from the Catholic Church. It's actually a theory that the Benedanti were an offshoot of a group of worshippers of the goddess Diana, though I couldn't find a lot of information to back that up. Something I found interesting was that one of the reasons it's believed that witches are associated with flying brooms today is the idea that the Benedanti were said to arm themselves with stalks of fennel or sorghum, which were known for their healing properties. Another interesting fact about the Benedanti was the idea that there was a strong correlation between the power to walk and a call birth. A call birth, which only happens in one in every about 80,000 births, is when a baby is born with a thin membrane or sac that covers their face like a hat or a scarf and which is very easy to take off. This may have been because of the fact that the mythology associated with the area of Italy the Benedanti were from stated that calls were, quote, imbued with magical properties, being associated with the ability to protect soldiers from harm, to cause an enemy to withdraw, and to help lawyers with their legal cases. Beyond the ability to spirit walk, it's also said that the Benandanti had the power of healing, which is why a lot of community members went to them when they were in need of medical help. Beyond the Benandanti, the most recognizable name associated with astral projection is esotericism. While it's also a topic I've only lightly touched on in previous episodes, a lot of the modern ideas we would categorize as mystical would be labeled as esoteric in nature. Under the umbrella of esotericism are groups such as the Rosicrucianists, the Freemasons, or the Theosophical Society, which was co-founded by the infamous Madame Helena Petrovna Blavatsky. It helps to know that theosophy, when you break up the word into two parts, theos and sophia, translates to mean the wisdom of the gods. According to the records of Helena Blavatsky, which are still disputed to this day, she traveled the globe as a young woman. In the mid-1800s, she stated that her family were fairly wealthy, so they jumped from country to country, where she began to be self-taught. During this period, she began to learn as much as possible about religion, science, and philosophy, and claimed to have visited people who were spiritual masters. Today, it's believed by historians that these visits were fictitious, really only meant to help sell her many books about theosophy, along with the rumor that her co-founder Henry Steele Alcott was a spirit medium. The hypothesis of esotericism, according to Blavatsky, was that all the different religions and philosophies that we as humans believe in and have believed in have all stemmed from a quote-unquote ancient wisdom. 
This isn't actually completely inaccurate, as a lot of her ideologies came from ancient philosophers and spiritualists, such as Plato and Hindu sages. The three objectives of theosophy, two of which I agree with, were implemented after Blavatsky's death, and are as follows. 1. To form a nucleus of the universal brotherhood of man, without distinction of race, creed, sex, caste, or color. 2. To encourage the study of comparative religion, philosophy, and science. And 3. To investigate the unexplained laws of nature and the powers latent in man. I feel like a lot of the tenets that I just stated are things that I, too, do on this podcast. But something that I try to steer clear of is claiming that the powers latent in man actually exist. One of those latent, or hidden, powers of man apparently included the ability to astral project. In her book, The Key to Theosophy, Blavatsky claims that there are seven different parts to your soul and body. One of those parts was the astral body, which had the ability to, quote, leave the physical and etheric bodies behind and go traveling on the astral planes. With little in the way of hard evidence to support Helena Blavatsky's claims, in stepped the Society for Psychical Research, which I have mentioned in my episode on the Ghost Club. They attempted to investigate astral projection from a scientific perspective, like they did with mediums, hauntings, and other super or paranormal activity, they tried to find out what they could about the phenomenon. Sadly, reports of astral projection were few and far between, and I'm sure those who believed they had experienced it were probably not very willing to talk about it. The first publication by the Society for Psychical Research, titled Phantasms of the Living, did summarize their research on a few different subject matters, such as telepathy and apparitions. Included were reported cases where a person could successfully project their consciousness to a distant location and perceiving another person there be in turn perceived by that person. Today, these experiences are termed reciprocal hallucinations. As there is no scientific proof of an astral plane or the ability to travel it, the most logical explanation for these types of reports are hallucinations. So with all of this talk of astral projection, you're probably wondering what exactly it entails. Well, there are about a thousand different suggestions for just how you can help yourself slip out of your body and into the astral plane. According to surveys, out-of-body experiences happen only once or twice in a lifetime to those who don't intentionally try to put themselves inside that type of situation. It usually happens right before or just a short time after you fall asleep, and usually when there is something keeping you from falling into a deep slumber. This can be anything from other people or things in the room making noise, stress or exhaustion from overworking, or sometimes an illness that keeps you from completely relaxing. In any case, it's usually doubled with sleep paralysis. Another less commonly experienced form of out-of-body experience is bilocation, 
and it happens to those who practice extreme sports, such as mountain climbers or marathon runners. This type of sensation is different from astral projection in that you don't need to be asleep in order to feel your body be in two completely different locations. According to the 1929 book Projection of the Astral Body, the author believed that the experience only happened when he made an effort of will to leave the body combined with the presence of a physical incapacity, such as sleep or illness. Whenever projecting, he would usually feel difficulty in moving around on the astral plane if he stayed too close to his body. He also stated that if he tried to return to his physical form too quickly, he would experience a shocking sensation, which did not occur if he came back slowly. In Mastering Astral Projection by Robert Bruce and Brian Mercer, the duo claimed that attempting to remember your dreams, setting yourself up to be in a state of deep physical relaxation and energy body stimulation, were all things you could do to make an astral experience more likely. It's kind of hard to describe exactly how to get to those different states, though. It's also said by researchers that out-of-body experiences can be induced by traumas, such as near-death experiences, traumatic brain injuries, sensory deprivations, or sleep disorders. This especially makes sense to me following my episode on the hat man, where I discussed how our brains transition into and out of sleep can result in hallucinations. Much like experiences with night terrors or shadowy figures, it's said that astral projection or what is believed to be astral projection happens to around 10% of the population once or more in their lifetime. That's a surprisingly large number of people when you realize that only 2% of adults suffer from night terrors, according to the Sleep Foundation. Researchers Messier and Blackmore have stated that an out-of-body experience is much more likely to happen to those who are triggered by stress, physical changes in the body, or traumatic events like abuse. This is because our body schema, which is a fancy term for a human's perception of themselves inside of their own body, can sometimes become fractured, much like how our perception of shadows, much like how our perception of shadows can change during sleep paralysis. A fantastic analogy to help explain body schema is the phenomenon of the phantom limb, which is when someone who has lost an arm or a leg will often still feel the sensation that their limb is still attached to their body. While they know that it is no longer there, their mind will still imagine it to be there when they form a mental picture of themselves. In 2017, the BBC interviewed Dr. Blackmore, who explained how electrical stimulation can force your brain to essentially lose track of the body, thus creating a feeling of disconnect between the mind and physical form. This creates the sensation of separation and the perception of your body outside of yourself. He elaborated further by stating that, my interpretation now is that out-of-body experiences are caused when the body schema, this mental model of our own body and space, is disrupted. It's disrupted so much that it separates from the sensory input 
and we rely on imagination rather than sensory input. You can't get rid of your body schema. It's built in, and when that gets completely blown apart, it splits, and in your imagination, it floats off. Something spiritualists have argued since astral projection became a popular concept around 250 years ago is whether or not these types of experiences are proof of the existence of a soul. Researchers such as Ernesto Bazzano theorized that astral projection was related to phenomena such as autoscopy, which is when you see your exact double. Something else he brought up were reports of mysterious lights or mists that people have seen rising from the body of a person who is dying. He states that all of these different theories, along with phantom limb sensations, they quote, reinforced the notion of a subtle body, or in other words, a soul or astral form. I guess my question is, if an out-of-body experience is simply just your mind and your body disconnecting, how in the world could those who experience it travel from places they have never been before and potentially hold conversations with people they have never met before? Some of the most unnerving, or in some cases comforting, versions of an out-of-body experience are those triggered by a near-death experience, such as a car accident or a major surgery. People can often come back from these types of experiences with memories of being outside of their own body. Occasionally, especially if that person was dead for just a few minutes, it can be coupled with a sensation of painlessness or a knowledge that they were dead. Survivors of near-death experiences also report visions of their deceased loved ones and strange beings of light. Other times, they can even come back to tell a story in which an authority figure reviewed their life and decided to send them back to Earth. While a lot of religions teach of this type of judgment on the day of their death, it does remind me of what was said to happen in the Egyptian Book of the Dead when someone died. According to Egyptian mythology, the heart of the deceased was said to be weighed on a scale against what was called the Feather of Truth, which was also considered a symbol for the goddess of truth and justice. If your heart weighed exactly the same as the Feather of Truth, you were allowed to pass into the afterlife by the god Anubis. If it did not, you were to be painfully eaten by a creature that was a hybrid of a crocodile, a lion, and a hippopotamus. Despite whether or not astral projection is a real phenomenon, it's an undisputed truth that we can still feel the ripple effect of Madame Blavatsky and the neo-spiritualist movement in pop culture. In 1941, a novel by Dennis Wheatley was published, wherein his main character traveled the world while asleep. Later on, astral projection was featured in several comic book series, including Marvel's Doctor Strange. It was also a driving plot point for several science fiction and horror novels, including the sequel to The Shining, Dr. Sleep. Some would also argue that the entire plot of the Insidious film franchise is centered on the main character's ability to astral project in a land where demons exist. Someone surprisingly famous for his writings on mysticism and astral projection was the author of the Jurassic Park series, Michael Crichton. In his non-fiction book titled Travels, 
Crichton discusses how, after leaving Harvard Medical School, he began a successful writing career in the 70s. Following his move to Hollywood, he decided to travel the world, hitting places like Bangkok, Kilimanjaro, and New Guinea, experimenting with spiritualism and psychic exploration along the way. While I would love to believe in the idea that our souls could shuck their mortal coil and go out for a night on the town, I have to admit that it's a pretty big pill to swallow. Because these accounts are really only based on anecdotal evidence, meaning it's one person's story to be taken as truth or fiction, it's extremely difficult to really prove that astral projection could be real, or if it's just an elaborate lie or misconception. And while the concept of an ancient truth or mystical powers, such as the ones propagated by Helena Blavatsky, is enticing, I don't think it will ever be as simple as she made it out to be. For the time being, astral projection will just have to exist in my mind as a myth until the day I finally experience it for myself. But don't worry, I'll be sure to tell you guys all about it. Thank you so much for joining me in this study of the unknown, and for being such a wonderful supporter of Strange Origins, my friends. Stay safe, and don't forget to keep it strange.